Okay, people, fantasy draft season is over, and you, Brewski, 150 your way to a hell of a team. The season is here, and the Fantasy Pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 a month. And now that we're into the regular season, there's zero commitment. Sign up for one month for just 5 bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel it. We know you'll love it. You'll say you'll keep it. But anyways, it's nice to have options in life. The Fantasy Pass has everything you need to dominate all year long. Updating projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the Hoop Ball Discord server, where you can hang out with all our hoop ball pros, including myself, around the clock to get one-on-one help with your team. So please do check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall and get the plug for your success for the fantasy basketball season. The following is a hoop ball presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this after the Hawks drop a close one in overtime to the Brooklyn Nets to fall to 500 and 7th in the East on the second night of a back-to-back. The Hawks yesterday would win against the undermanned Los Angeles Clippers, 108-99, so they split the games this week thus far, heading into Friday's matchup versus the Washington Wizards on the road. We will cover both of those games this episode after this plug from my bookie. If you like losing money, turn this off right now. But if you love free band, free bands, just like Super Future, then keep listening. Sports betting is getting huge across the nation, and all of my homies love to bet on games. There are a bunch of sites out there for sports betting, but all of my homies love my bookie. Why? Because it's so easy to use. And since y'all my homies too, I'm going to plug you. All my homies listening right now can sign up for my bookie with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus. 100%. Just like an A-plus in school. Hopefully you got them. But if not, this your chance to get 100%. You like playing blackjack? There are some very fun and free blackjack tournaments, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There is so much that you can do on MyBookie, and the best thing is, is that no cash is required to enter, and you can win up to $100 in daily challenges and up to $1,000 in weekly tournaments. 
So you want a chance at free cash money? Then again, my homies, sign up with the promo code HOOPBALL to unlock a 100% deposit match bonus and try to score some, in the words of future, like I said earlier, free band, free band. All right, and we are back. The injury report for yesterday's game versus the Clippers available was Clint Capella, Danilo Gallinari, and Trey Young all having ailments coming into the game last night. Cam Reddish was out last night, however. Bogdan Bogdanovich and Chris Dunn, who have been on the injury report for the last few weeks. So no surprises there except for Cam Reddish being out. The starting lineup for last night's game went as follows. Trey Young at the one, Kevin Herter at the two, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. Game flow, we'll briefly talk about yesterday's game versus the Clippers as more people want to talk about, obviously, the game that just happened tonight versus the Brooklyn Nets here in Atlanta. The Clippers fought hard, had a balanced scoring attack, never really let the Hawks blow this one out, even though they didn't have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, who accounts for 50 points per game, almost 12 rebounds per game, 11 assists per game, and over three steals per game. It's because the Clippers have a bunch of vets that know how to play, and this is still one of the best teams in the West. But you know who knows how to play as well? And been hot? Ice Trader Gang. Ice Trader Gang. Trey Young, who is going to take full advantage of the situation on Tuesday night in the flashy and respectful MLK jerseys here at home. The Hawks will start off slow offensively. In the first half, by shooting 36% from the field and 1 of 7 from 3, but they would take off in the third quarter once they stopped turning over the ball and they would get Capella and Hunter going and behind 14 third quarter points from Trey Young, who has been dominating in third quarters as of late. They would outscore the Clippers by 11 in that quarter to take a six point lead going into the fourth. The whole team would start shooting better for the Hawks from the floor, and they closed it out in the fourth quarter with a 13-point performance in that quarter from Kevin Herter. Big shots from DeAndre Hunter. The Clippers kept hanging around, but even with him hobbled slightly, some big shots from Ice Trader Gang, and he was getting to the free throw line, and then he hit a long three-pointer from the logo, which he pointed at the logo and then threw up the 2-4 for Kobe, as yesterday, marked the one-year anniversary, unfortunate anniversary, of him and his daughter's passing in a horrific helicopter accident out in Los Angeles. And Trey Young certainly showed that Mamba mentality last night to end the Clippers' seven-game winning streak. The bench really didn't give him a lot last night, offensively, outside of Brandon Goodwin, who had a really good game, in my opinion. And Ice Trey and DeAndre Hunter were really carried offensive load to a Hawks win on Tuesday night, team stats will go as follows. Hawks shot 46% from the field and 38.5% from three-point land. Really shot better once the second half got going. The Clippers shot 40% from the field and under 31% from three-point land. Hawks only missed one free throw attempt on Tuesday night out of 25 attempts to go. 96% from the free throw line. A plus in my book. They were out-rebounded by the Clippers 51-49 and 13-9 on the offensive end. The Hawks would post 14 turnovers 
on Tuesday night, which led to 17 Clipper points. Probably one of the reasons why the game wasn't as big of a lead as it should have been, but they were only projected to win by seven without Kawhi and PG. Stats for the Clippers will go as follow. Their leading scorer, Reggie Jackson, would score 20 points on 8 of 16 shooting from the floor and 2 of 6 from three-point range. He added 8 assists, 7 rebounds, 2 steals, and a block. Really hit some big shots down the stretch to make things interesting, but just too much ice tray at the end for the Los Angeles Clippers. Serge Ibaka would have a really good game as well, posting 15 points on 6 of 15 shooting from the floor, knocked down a three-pointer and both of his free throws. He added five rebounds with all of them on the offensive glass. Also had three assists and three blocks. 13 points from Luke Kennard, who shot 5 of 13 from the floor. 2 of 5 from three-point land. Added a career high for him. Four steals, three rebounds, and two assists. 10 points from Terrence Mann with nine rebounds and four steals. And he fouled out in Tuesday's game. Nicholas Batoon, who was a non-factor for the Clippers, scored only five points, but added five assists and four rebounds to round out the starting lineup for the Clippers. Off the bench, Marcus Morris Sr. would add 10 points. Zubac would add a double-double off the bench with 13 points and 10 rebounds. And the Atlanta native, Lou Will, Lemon Pepper Lou, would add 11 points for the Clippers. For the Hawks side of things, Trey Young, Another great performance, 38 points on 12 of 23 shooting from the floor, went 3 of 7 from three-point land, knocked down all 11 of his free throw attempts, and added five assists and three rebounds. Trey Young being Trey Young was really the deciding factor in the game outside of the sometimes second, sometimes third scoring option for this Hawks team, DeAndre Hunter in the second year scoring 22 points on 7-16 shooting from the floor, 2-7 from 3, hit all 6 of his free throw attempts, added 4 assists, 3 rebounds, a block, and a steal. DeAndre Hunter continues to just get better and better, and he would carry that energy and that confidence into tonight's game as well. Kevin Herter started off slow, became a big with all of his points coming in the fourth quarter, especially with his 3-ball finally falling, he scored 13 fourth-quarter points, shot 5 of 10 from the floor the entire game, and hit all three of his three-point attempts all in the fourth quarter. He dished out three assists and added two rebounds. Click Capella added his 10th double-double of the season, scoring 13 points on 6 of 11 shooting from the floor. He grabbed 18 rebounds, with nine of them coming in the first quarter. He also added eight offensive rebounds, and posted two steals and two blocks in Tuesday night's game. John Collins struggled with his shot, but still scored 11 points of four of 11 shooting. He shot one of three from the three-point line and hit both of his free throw attempts. He would have a double-double as well, grabbing 11 rebounds and adding a career-high five blocks. So a block party for John Collins on Tuesday night. He also had three assists. Very good on the defensive end on Tuesday night. Just foul trouble would hurt him, but glad he didn't let that or his poor shooting affect how he was going to play defense. And he really set the tone in the paint, sending back several shots from the Clippers. And 
Brandon Goodwin, who I said had a pretty good game off the bench, would add seven points on Tuesday night. So we're going to talk about the Nets-Hawks game after this quick plug from Bruce Letter. Okay, quickly, we need to pause the show for an announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The Bruise Letter is back. Oh, yes. Back and fresh for the 2020-2021 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, the GOAT, is writing an email newsletter filled with its most intimate fantasy nuggets. It's exclusive content you cannot find anywhere else. It's not on the website. It's not on any podcast. It's not on social media. It's only in an email newsletter. And you can sign up to get it for free. I said it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco, seis, siete, ocho, nueve, diez. 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruise letter 2021. And you get it straight from the GOAT and Brewski into your inbox and enjoy the nuggets to help you succeed in your fantasy basketball league. All right, and we are back after the Hawks got a win against the undermanned Los Angeles Clippers. They will go against a full-strength Brooklyn Nets team at home in a back-to-back. Keys for this game tonight for me, be aggressive offensively and take advantage of the Nets' poorest defense. The Nets are not a good defensive team, and it showed throughout the game but it's certainly a team that can score a lot of points with that three-headed monster with Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So the Hawks are going to have to be equally as aggressive as those three on the offensive end and attack that defense. The players off the bench are going to have to step up. I thought that the bench was going to be a deciding factor and an advantage towards the Hawks with the depth that the Atlanta Hawks have and with the lack thereof with the trade that they made to get rid of Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, who are bench players for them, Spencer Dinwiddie out for the year. So their bench is really porous right now. So I thought that that was something that the Hawks could take advantage of. The Hawks really needed to limit Joe Harris, who if he's having a good night, if he can score 15 points to go along with that big three, you're going to lose that game pretty much every time you play the Nets if Joe Harris is scoring 15 points or more. So we really had to limit him and really keep him from getting it going in tonight's game and keep the big three off the free throw line. They're going to get their shots. They're going to score. Do not add fuel to the fire by putting them on a foul line and letting them get some easy looks with the game slowed down and continue to get their shots in rhythm. Because when any of these three for the Nets are in rhythm, it can spell game over for any team in the NBA, let alone the Atlanta Hawks. Injury report going into tonight's game. Clint Capella was hobbled, but he would give it a go tonight. Dilo Gallinari was hobbled, but he would give it a go. And Cam Reddish, after being out in last night's game, would play. Boy, did he ever. Out for tonight's game, Rajon Rondo, who got hurt in yesterday's game versus the Clippers. Chris Dunn and Bogdan Bogdanovich, the usual suspects on the injury report for the Hawks. Starting lineup for tonight's game went Trey Young at the one, Kevin Herter at the two, DeAndre Hunter at the three, John Collins at the four, and Clint Capella at the five. So, 
back and forth game pretty much the entire game. And it certainly started off that way as well early in the first quarter as the Hawks took an early lead behind scoring from John Collins and Cam Reddish, who was very, very aggressive and in go mode tonight for the Hawks. We certainly needed his offensive output, and we will talk about his total number a little later in the program. But it was clear as the second quarter would start for the Hawks that Cam Reddish was ready to play tonight, and he was confident and on fire after missing the last game due to injury. And he's missed four of the last six games due to injury. So him being aggressive early on in the first half, he would hit five of his seven shots from the floor and scoring 14 points. John Collins was getting any and everything he wanted in the paint. And a three-point shot was continuing to fall for John Collins, especially his corner three, which we've been seeing a lot of as of late. We're used to seeing him hit that straightaway three, but as I said before, the corner three has been starting to become more prevalent, which if he's, hit, if he's hitting any threes for the Hawks, it's a good sign for him and a good sign for us with him stretching the floor on top of his ability to provide energy, crashing the glass and scoring around the rim and being effective there. But as I mentioned, that three-headed monster, one of the heads, James Harden, the beard, started cooking in the second quarter to give the Nets a lead with a personal 8-0 run from himself. The Hawks would then respond with an 8-0 run with 3.52 to go in the second quarter after a DeAndre Hunter 3 to put the Hawks up by 4. DeAndre Hunter's continued growth and confidence continues to shine game after game as he had 15 points in the first half of tonight's game, and he didn't care who was on him. He was going to use his size, his aggressiveness to get to his spots and score. It didn't matter if Kevin Durant was on him, who was easily the best defensive player on the Brooklyn Nets. He was going to play his game. And I love seeing this confidence from DeAndre Hunter, who is really the, as I said earlier in the program, the second or third option scoring-wise for this Hawks team. And going into the season, I thought maybe he'd be the fourth option. So this was a pleasant surprise for everybody involved with the Hawks. And all the fans and everybody who's covering the Hawks, this was a huge surprise. But it just shows the work that he put into his game this offseason. That consistency that he had last year and showed on top of with his confidence on both ends of the floor. We're going to need that going forward with the tough stretch that we have. And people on Twitter are saying he really is baby Kawhi. And I'm seeing flashes of young Kawhi from DeAndre Hunter. I didn't want to put the label on it too early, but... Because, I mean, me personally, I was thinking more OG Ananobi what was what he was should be going for this year, but he can aspire to be better than that. He's shown that he has a sights on bigger and greater things to help this team win, especially being a force on a defensive end and scoring consistently offensively. It's just been just great from what we're seeing from DeAndre Hunter. But back to the game, James Harden was just keeping the Nets jockeying with the Hawks in the first half, as he had 16 first-half points and two assists. It was a back-and-forth contest, as I expected, in the first half, as it was tied at 55 at the half. Only two turnovers from the Hawks at halftime, and it seems like they were shooting great. To me, it did, but they only shot 41% from the field in the first half and 31% from three. But what helped was them going 14 to 15 from the free-throw line. And the Nets' three-point shooting was keeping them 
in the game as the Hawks were giving up too many open looks from three and the Nets would shoot about 46% from three in that first half, which has been an issue as far as giving up open looks from the three-point line for the Hawks defensively throughout the year. And it sure did show his ugly head against a really good opponent in the Brooklyn Nets tonight. Third quarter would start. Trey Young had been quietly facilitating through the first half as he already had seven assists. He would hit double digits early in the third quarter with 11 points, and he started to turn it on in the third quarter as he's been known to do for the last four or five games. And it was back and forth in the third quarter. Herter and Young would hit some threes early on. KD would wake up for the Nets in the third. John Collins would continue to be active. And he was being rewarded for his activity by getting some looks and getting himself 16 points early in the third quarter. The Hawks bench was outproducing Brooklyn early, but key contributors from the bench for the Nets, such as Jeff Green and Bruce Brown, would prove vital for the Nets down the stretch. 10 third quarter points from Trey Young, but again, a back and forth game all night long. A 7-0 run late in the third quarter to push the lead to 6 for the Hawks with 3.20 to go. And it was just a game of, as I said, back and forth, back and forth, trading buckets, little swings here and there. And I want to say this again. I've been saying this. I was, I'm was. i so thankful that we have Danilo Gallinari back off our bench. He's been instant offense for this Hawks team when he's been put in, using his mismatches to get himself good looks in the mid-range game shoot some threes, set people up. He's just a great offensive player. We're really glad we signed him in the offseason. And he would help give the Hawks a four-point lead going into the fourth quarter. By the fourth quarter, Trey Young, Collins, and DeAndre Hunter all had 18 points or more. And Cam Reddish would have 16 points off the bench by this point. So the Hawks were in pretty good position. It was going to be tough down the stretch, so it was going to be all about executing down the stretch on both ends. Both teams are great offensively in the fourth quarter, so it was going to come down to who will execute more and who could force the other team to make mistakes. After a failed challenge attempt by Lloyd Pierce, the Nets will go on a 16-5 run and seize momentum in the fourth quarter to take the lead with James Harden leading them Danilo Gallinari would add 11 points off the bench to give the Hawks some offense there. And they were using Clint Capella down the stretch as he was starting to dominate the glass and take advantage of the undersized front court. But he looked labored during the fourth quarter. He was certainly gassed, probably off a of back-to-back and dealing with an injury element. So at this point, Lloyd Pierce would set him down, which caused some chatter on social media from Hawks fans about decision-making and Lloyd Pierce as far as lineups are concerned. But fourth quarter, Kev, Kevin Herter would knock down some big threes. But as I said, back and forth game, DeAndre Hunter would continue to not care who was on him. His confidence was sky high at this point. The Hawks were knocking down threes in the fourth quarter. They were four or five from the three-point line to start the fourth quarter. And a huge and one from John Collins to put the Hawks up by two with just over two minutes left. But Kyrie would hit a basket late in the shot clock to tie it back up. And after a basket from a cutting, Jeff Green 
to give the Nets a two-point lead with 56 seconds left from a dish from James Harden, who had 11 assists in the second half alone. Cam Reddish, although, would hit a big shot, big shot from Cam Reddish with 27 seconds left on Kevin Durant to tie the ball game up. The Nets would get the ball, and Harden would try for the game winner and miss it after great defensive execution from the Hawks. The Hawks would get the ball with .3 seconds left with a chance to win the game, or if not, push it in overtime. The Hawks would advance the ball, try to go for a lob to John Collins in the paint. It would fail, however, and the Hawks and Nets would get some free basketball on this Wednesday night. The call was interesting that they made. Um, I know that some people were wondering if it was going to be a quick three from Trey or Herter or somebody to get them an opportunity to, you know, to win the game. You know, Lloyd Pierce selected for the lob at the rim for John Collins, which is not a bad call. I thought that maybe they could put Gallo in the game to be the inbounder since he's taller, obviously being 6'10", could see over a lot of people on the court and maybe try to get a better pass, better look for John Collins to complete it. But it didn't happen, and it's hard to get a look with .3 seconds left. So they're going to have to play some extra time to see who's going to win this ball game. Overtime would come, and the last time the Hawks were in overtime this year, they won against the Pistons. But this is a much better offensive team in the Brooklyn Nets, so we'll see what happens. And Kyrie Irving happened, helping Brooklyn to take an early lead in overtime. But an and-one opportunity from Trey Young will cut the lead to one point in overtime. But tonight, Jeff Green, not Joe Harris, who I thought who we need to limit, was the X factor for the Brooklyn Nets. And turnovers really kill the Hawks in overtime. Pushed the Nets lead to six with about 246 left in overtime. Herter would force a turnover on Kevin Durant, but then the Hawks would return that turnover with a turnover with 29 seconds left. After getting a, a long rebound, after getting a defensive stop, would give the ball back to the Nets, and that would be all she wrote. A lot of people complained that, you know, Clint Capella should have been in there. Jeff Green wasn't, quote-unquote, scoring, apparently, when, when Capella was in the game. But with Capella labored, dealing with an ailment, and gassed, and with the Nets with a death lineup of having, you know, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Joe Harris, Kevin Durant, Jeff Green, if Clint Capella is not 100% and he's tired, who is he guarding? Who are you putting Clint Capella on? I don't care how great people think he may be on the perimeter. They're going to switch. And if he's tired, he's not going to keep any of those players that I named in front of him. They're going to just mince them up and chop them up and blow past them. So I don't really understand what fans were looking for as far as why Capella. Certainly Capella was, you know, dominating when he was in. He was taking advantage of an undersized front court. Crashing the glass, getting easy baskets, grabbing rebounds. Yes, that was happening. But personally, I'd rather have Clint Capella down the stretch in April, May, when the playoffs are around, than try to force him to stay out there for an overtime game in late January that, in, in the grand scheme of things, could mean something, could not mean something. It really, at the end of the day, we don't get paid to make that decision. Lloyd Pierce does. He's going to have to answer for that. So no matter if you think that Capella should have been out there or not, 
that's on you. But I know me personally, with the lineup that the Nets were putting out there, I wouldn't have put them out there personally. I thought they had the right lineup out there, and it really just came down to execution down the stretch, not turning over the ball on the offensive end, which led a great offensive team in the Nets to just have easier looks than they really should have. And that's what ultimately led them to lose the game, not the fact that Capella wasn't on the court, in my opinion. So we'll get into team stats. The Hawks shot 48% from the floor tonight and almost 39% from three. The Nets shot 53% from the floor and about 35% from the three-point line. Both teams shot 85% or higher from the free throw line. The Hawks would out-rebound the Brooklyn Nets by one in totality, and they out-rebounded them on offensive glass as well. The Hawks would have 29 assists tonight and only 11 turnovers, so they had two turnovers at the half. They posted nine in the second half in overtime, so 11 as a total number is fine. It's not a bad number, but to have nine in the second half in overtime, which means that those are crucial times that get turnovers in the game, and they really hurt us and caused us to lose this game ultimately, in my opinion. And another big stat that led to the Nets winning the game tonight, the Hawks really didn't protect the paint that well. They were outscored in the paint 74-58, to and I really thought that was a big stat tonight in the Nets pulling out this win here in Atlanta. Stats for the Nets would go as follows. Kevin Durant, 32 points tonight on 13-26 shooting from the floor. He went 3-7 from three-point land, knocked down 3-4 free throws, added 5 rebounds, 2 assists, and 2 blocks. Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant. That's to be expected. James Harden, to be expected. Scored 31 points on 9 of 20 shooting from the floor. And he went 5 of 9 from the three-point line and hit all 8 of his free-throw attempts. They were really doing a really good job of keeping him off the free-throw line until the end of the game when James Harden forced the issue and forced the matter and put himself in that position to get to the charity strike. James Harden would add 15 assists, as I said, he had two at halftime. He would have 13 assists in the second half and overtime combined. Whew. He was dishing them out and really setting up this uh, Nets team. He's just he's just a great player, and you know he's in shape. And I'm sure that he would try to slide in Magic City after this game. I don't know who knows who knows. I don't I don't know James Harden like that, but he would also have eight rebounds, including three in the offensive glass. Added two steals. One block, and in his 15 assists, he only had three turnovers. So a really, really great night from James Harden. He was the key for the Brooklyn Nets in this game. Kyrie Irving scored 26 points on 11 of 17 shooting from the floor. Much more efficient than the first two games when he played against the Hawks in this season. Kyrie would add one three-pointer, and he would hit three of his four free-throw attempts, added seven assists, four rebounds, and two blocks. DeAndre Jordan would add 11 points and 7 boards for the Nets. Joe Harris, who fouled out, played some solid defense tonight, only scored 6 points, and was held without a 3-pointer for the first time in a lot of games. He had a long streak of 3-pointers in the game, and it was snapped tonight by the Hawks. Joe Harris will also have 2 steals. And Bruce Brown off the bench would add 12 big points for the Nets, and Jeff Green would add 11 
big points off the bench for the Nets. And those two players were really big down the stretch for Brooklyn to pull out this win. For the Hawks side of things, Trey Young was the leading scorer tonight with 28 points on 7 of 22 shooting from the floor. Went 3 of 8 from the three-point line and hit 11 of 12 free throws tonight. He added 14 assists, 3 rebounds, and only had 3 turnovers. So, pretty good game tonight for Trey Young, although not as efficient from the floor. He was getting to the free throw line, setting people up, and coming into the game, the last 3 games prior to the game versus the Brooklyn Nets, Trey Young has been averaging almost 40 points per game, 6.7 assists, 52% shooting from the floor, and 58% from 3. So, He's really on a tear right now, and even though he was below the average from the last three games, he still did what he had to do tonight to try to pull this game out, although there was some, you know, lack of execution on the offensive end. We can't all put it all on Trey Young tonight. That's a team thing, but like I said, he he really, he really led the charge tonight for the Hawks. And off the bench, Cam Reddish scored 24 points, had a great game coming off an injury. He shot 9 of 17 from the floor, 2 of 7 from the three-point line, hit all four of his free throw attempts. He grabbed six rebounds and had two steals. Great game from Cam Reddish. I love to see these games from him because we know that he can do it. I would just love to see the consistency there as far as him just staying on the floor as far as with injury and being consistent with his shot as he already is a really good defender as a second-year player. But offensively, this is where I just want to see him continue to be consistent, like the other player of the Magic City trio, the Young Wings for the Atlanta Hawks, DeAndre Hunter, who continues his stellar play, scoring 21 points on 7 of 12, shooting from the floor. He went 1 of 4 from the three-point line, hit 6 of 7 free throws, grabbed 5 rebounds, dished out 4 assists, had... Two blocks and a steal. So DeAndre Hunter continues his great play this season, gaining some steam and hopefully some votes for most improved player of the year. John Collins scored 21 points tonight on 9 of 14 shooting from the floor. He went 2 of 3 from the three-point line. Hit his only free throw attempt. He grabbed 8 rebounds, added 3 assists and a block. Better game from John Collins tonight. I thought that we could have used him even more as he was a mismatch, especially in the paint when Joe Harris would guard him and others. The Nets really didn't have an answer for him, and I thought we could have engaged him even more in this game. Another front court player who we could have engaged a little bit more in this game before obviously being gassed and not playing down the stretch, Clint Capello, who only scored nine points tonight, on 4 of 10 shooting from the floor, he added a free throw make. He grabbed 11 rebounds, including 6 on the offensive glass, and added 2 blocks. And Danilo Gallinari off the bench would add 11 points, as I said earlier. With 4 of 6 shooting from the floor, he knocked down a 3-pointer and both of his free throws. So, in a losing effort, they played hard tonight down the stretch. A continued growing pains, learning how to execute down the stretch. In winning games, you know, we've we seen that they can win games against winnable opponents in tough conditions, but tough teams like the Brooklyn Nets and 
like the teams that we have on our schedule going forward. The Hawks are going to have to learn how to win these games, especially if they're going to be a playoff team. They're going to have to steal one of these games and learn certain situations, certain lineups that they want to have in late-game situations. Uh, and with Lloyd Pierce in his third year, this is all a growing process for him as well. But in the last several games for the Hawks, it's really sparked something in this team. The trust that I've seen, the effort that they're playing with, the confidence that they are playing with on both ends of the floor is a sight to behold for me, and fans should get excited. I know that there's fans complaining about Lloyd Pierce. They, we should have won this game. We had opportunities to win this game, but let's look at the good right now. They are getting better at the perfect time as tough tests will continue to show up in this next month going forward. And no matter who was in the game late, as I said, there's a still lessons to be learned and growth for Lloyd Pierce in his third year as a head coach in the NBA. His third year in the NBA as a head coach, just just for you guys to hear that. He has a young team, and they're still learning how to execute in late-game situations. Habits have to be practiced and executed consistently. They have to consistently do that, and they're going to fall short in these areas some games. So we're going to have to take it game to game. You live and you learn, but it's better to learn these lessons in January with almost three-fourths of the season left in front of them than later on when the playoffs hit. Did they have chances to win tonight? Yes. Could Lloyd Pierce have done things differently? Yes. Could the Hawks have executed better down the stretch in overtime and not giving the ball to Brooklyn to give them some easy buckets to push the lead out and ultimately lose the game? Yes. Things could have been done differently, but better to learn this now than in the playoffs. They did some really good things on both ends of the floor in the last few games, and tonight as well. They've been playing very well since that overtime win versus Detroit. This team is confident. They're vibing well with each other. They're figuring things out. And these are hard lessons to, you know, to figure out, but they're going to learn from them. They're getting healthier, and they have most of the season to continue to grow. They can still engage John Collins more, as I said earlier. Clint Capella is a double-double machine. He's first in offensive rebounds, second in total rebounds, fourth in blocks in the NBA, and he's been an anchor in the paint on both ends of the court. And I'm sure that he can tell you that there's still ways that he can improve and help this team be better and win games. I love this offensive output tonight, and we've seen it in several games this year, but we've also seen lulls in his game as well. And as I said before, we need more consistency on the offensive end from Cam Reddish, which will continue as he gets healthier and as his team becomes healthier. You know, Cam Reddish needs to be on the court to get in a rhythm, to get in a flow. And if Cam Reddish is able to put up 16 points a game, along with what DeAndre Hunter is doing, what John Collins is doing, what Trey Young is doing, what we're getting from Capella, this team is going to be very hard to beat. So he's going to have to just stay healthy, stay healthy, hopefully, and stay on the floor so he can get in that rhythm and work on that consistency game to game. DeAndre Hunter can continue to grow and improve into the most improved player front runner. Trae Young can continue to work and get better managing the game, managing his turnovers, continuing to find balance and facilitating, setting up other people, picking his spots, and being aggressive still. The defense for the Hawks can continue to improve. The in-game adjustments can continue to improve. That's on Lloyd Pierce. Late-game execution can improve. That's on the coaching staff and the team knowing situations and 
making the right decisions in those moments. The rotations can improve. Minutes. There's a laundry list of things that can improve, and yet this team is nine and nine. You know, <laughs> I mean, nine and nine. That's great. You would take that last year. Five hundred ball. You would take that last year, and they're only going to get better as they get healthier. And this, what the great thing about this team is, they want to get better. They're not complacent. For a young team, that's great. They want to continue to improve game to game. And that is something that we're going to have to continue to look for as a fan base. And I'm glad they went one-on-one on the stretch. Going into the week, if Paul George and Kawhi Leonard were healthy, I was going to pick that as a loss. And I thought that they were going to have a better chance to beat Brooklyn. But they didn't have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on the floor. Versus the Clippers. We got that win. That's great. We stole that one. And then if we could have squeaked out this one in a very winnable game against the Nets, that's great. But still, we have the Withers next. If you can go 2-1 and one in this stretch going into a game against the Lakers coming up, that's still great. That's still great. It still puts them above 500 going into the month of February. I'll take it. I know people are going to say, again, as I said before, Paul George and Kawhi weren't on the floor. They weren't playing. So you got you to gotta be who's in front of you. You got to play who's available. They played who they was available. And we've had those stretches throughout the season where we were pretty, you know, downtrodden with injuries. And we had to play who we had available. And it wasn't always pretty. But you know what? You still got to play the games. You still got to get a paycheck. And the Nets are probably going to be, as far as tonight, the Nets are probably going to be a team in the NBA Finals coming out of the East. When it's all said and done, if they can find some defense, maybe in the form of a potential buyout in Cleveland of Andre Drummond, and then he lands in Brooklyn. But it was still a hard-fought game tonight, and they lost in overtime and still had the opportunities to win the game. The Hawks may see this team again, depending on how things shake out from here in the playoffs. Now, as I said before, they got a chance to go 2-1 and one this week, stay in a playoff spot early in the season against a struggling divisional opponent in the Washington Wizards. Will it be a cakewalk? No. It's another NBA team. As I said, they get paid to play hard as well. And anything can happen on a given night in the NBA, especially when you have Brad Beal on the other side and a former MVP and Russell Westbrook. But they, but the Hawks have a chance to bounce back and get a road win in D.C. before coming home and taking on the King in my early season MVP in LeBron James, Anthony Davidson defending Los Angeles Lakers. And then we got to play our social media rival, the Dallas Mavericks at home, who are still getting back in the form as they had players out with injury and COVID. Then they got to play a hot Utah team here at home who may not have Donovan Mitchell, depending on uh, his concussion protocol. I expect to see him on the floor probably. And they're currently sitting at the number one seed in the Western Conference right now after the Clippers and Lakers lost in consecutive days. And then you got the Toronto slash Tampa Raptors who struggled out the gate, but now they're playing close to 500 ball the last 10 games. So the Hawks have an opportunity to take some of these games. This effort that we've seen in the last few games and the attention to detail is going to be key for them to try to get some wins. They cannot have lapses like they had tonight in overtime, but they're going to continue to grow and they're going to continue to learn. And they will take several games from the top teams if they can show that competitive spirit that they've been showing and when close to healthy they've shown that they can play with anybody in the nba including a potential nba finals team in the brooklyn nets in my opinion and another thing that this weekend gives them an extra day of rest since they play on friday they're going to have saturday and sunday off and they play the lakers on monday 
That's some days off to get some players fresh, rested, you know, have some practice time, some film time to truly work on some things so they can execute at a high level when the Lakers come into town on Monday. And this stretch going forward the next month will define who this team is going to be. They cannot change the past. They did drop winnable games against opponents like the Charlotte Hornets twice, Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. But they must continue to take it one game at a time, focus on the task at hand. And right now, in my opinion, they're quietly building something that it may not come to fruition until next year. But we've seen flashes of brilliance from this young Hawks team this season, 18 games in. And it's very encouraging. Yes, there are still decisions to be made as far as personnel. Like, who should be at the helm of this team as the head coach? Is it Lloyd Pierce? Is it Nate McMillan right behind him? Or is it an offensive-minded guy around the league that's going to take this team to the next level like Steve Kerr did for that Warriors team? Who are going to be the odd guys out on this roster? Will it be John Collins? Will it be Cam Reddish? Will it be Kevin Herter? We don't know. All that will be answered in due time. But right now, all we can focus on is the next game. And that's what we should be focusing on. The Washington Wizards, Friday night, on the road. Let's take care of business, get some rest, and then you focus on the Lakers. And you play that game, and then you focus on the Mavericks, then the Jazz, and so forth and so on. So we'll take it game to game, just like I take it day to day in my own life. You know what I'm saying? That's what we all should do. We can't, you know, climb the mountain in one fell swoop. You got to go little by little up the mountain, and that's what this Hawks team is going to do. So... With that, that's all I got for tonight. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. That's no cap, no smoke. Numbers do not lie. Share it with fellow Atlanta Hawks fans and NBA basketball enthusiasts across the globe. Follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That's at HoopBallHawks on myself. Brad Jarrett 67. That's Brad J A R R E T T 67. As always, yeah! You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks. That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.